You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young, and today we have a special treat. We're going to be speaking with a master pet couturier who's been commissioned by corporations as diverse as Pepsi, Saks Fifth Avenue, and EMI Records, and been covered in the New York Times, the Today Show, Good Morning America, People Magazine, People's Pets, and more. His name is Anthony Rubio, and you might have heard of him because he won the Pet Designer of the Year Award at last year's New York Pet Fashion Show. But before we meet Anthony, we're going to take a short break for a message from our sponsor. So get comfy, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. Your dog loves going for a walk, but what do you do when the weather just won't cooperate? Your canine companion shouldn't have to come home cold, wet, and uncomfortable. Zippy Dynamics has created a chic, revolutionary, and functional suit that covers your best friend from head to toe. Our apparel is stylish and remarkably protective against all weather. You and your dog deserve the best, and Zippy Dynamics is here to provide. Visit ZippyDynamics.com now and receive free shipping on all orders for a limited time. Zippy Dynamics, clothing of a different breed. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller-Young. We're chatting today with Master Pet Couturier, the award-winning Anthony Rubio. Hey, Anthony. Hello, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I'm so excited to talk with you because you've done so much. So hopefully we'll get to cover, maybe even scratch the surface a little bit in today's interview. But I want to start by saying you've created couture for the top dogs in the pet fashion world, but it's your, I'll call it sassy creations, the ones that, you know, for special events that I'd like to start with today. Take the annual Tompkins Square Park Halloween Parade. Tell us what you created for your two adorable Chihuahua models, Bogey and Kimba, over the last couple of years. And please don't leave out the Michael Jackson one. Well, I'll start off with the Michael Jackson because it really had more to do with the dog I rescued originally, which was Bandit. And he won in his last year. You know, I had rescued this Chihuahua. He was supposed to only live one year because he had um, health issues. He ended up living eight years and won accolades and awards for appearances in so many events, including Tompkins Square Park. And wow. in his last year, he won the category many times in many different creations. But his last year, he was Michael Jackson in the Thriller Ensemble with the whole diorama of the video. And oh um, I created the whole thing from scratch and with dancing zombies and everything. And he won <laughs> uh, the top dog of 500. He won Best in Show at the Tompkins Square Dresses, Michael Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That must have been some job to create everything. Well, the The funny thing is that I did it overnight. (laughs) How did you manage that? Let's just say I didn't sleep. 
And, uh, <laughs> and in the morning when they came to pick me up, they said, um, Anthony, you look like one of those zombies. So guess what I dressed as? As a, as a light bulb moment, I dressed as a zombie and dragged Bandit on the diorama out in front of the judges dressed as a zombie myself. <laughs> so it's about making, making it work for you. <laughs> yes. Um, now going it. back to the boys, Bogey and Kimba, my muses and my the loves of my life, my boys, the twins, and Chihuahuas, black and white, my yin and yang. I dressed them this year. They were for uh, the characters from the Game of Thrones. I called it the Game of Bones. And they came with their own little mascots and everything. And um, again, I created everything from scratch. And um, they got a lot of recognition, a lot of press. The year before was even more hilarious because it was the year of Liberace behind the candelabra. So I yes, just Michael uh, Douglas. Yes, <laughs> and I dressed um, Kimba as Scott Thorson, the love interest oh of my God. Liberace. Yes. And again, they got a lot of recognition and press. So it's about having fun and um, having your finger on the pulse of knowing what's hot and what's going on in the media. And pop culture, pop-, pop culture and being clever, creative. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very, very cool. We have got to uh, get some pictures up so people can see some of these costumes on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site. So definitely send that to me, okay? Absolutely, you will. Great. So, Anthony, you began as a women's wear designer. How did you get into that? What was your specialty in that field? Well, when I was in high school, I, went to, I was raised going to private schools, and there were no art classes, which is a shame because in New York, they're trying to do away with those programs, and I'm I more than that they should implement music and art into the schools because the kids need more something for them to express their talents. But going back to that, I was uh, in school, I didn't have it, but I always had an interest in fashion because I was a big movie buff. I used to love to watch my mom, who was always dressing up still for every occasion, and I used to sketch. And when it came time to make a decision for college, I decided I wanted to study fashion, and of course I tried to get into the toughest colleges in the fashion industry, namely Fashion Institute of Technology and Parsons. I created a portfolio on my own without any training or anything, and lo and behold, I was accepted into both colleges, and the interview process went smoothly, and I was told that I was great at illustration, and I chose to go to that Fashion Institute of Technology where I learned draping, advertising, and women's wear. I specialized mostly in the um, draping courses and doing women's evening gowns. After that, you know, I went into the industry, but something was calling me. My heart was in something else by that time, and it was to go into education. And I wanted to help learning disabled children, and that's the direction I went. It was years later on that after rescuing the dog I mentioned earlier, Bandit, my interest was rekindled with the design industry, and this time I went into the pet design industry. Wow, and you are still teaching today, right? 25 years later, I'm still working with the Board of Education, and it's called the Department of Education. And um, I work with learning disabled students, teaching them, you know, um, children with dyslexia and such, because they deserve a chance. And you'd be surprised at how much talent is hidden behind those kids who might have problems learning the regular academics, but where it comes to the arts, they are whizzes. Geniuses. And you must be the coolest teacher on the block with what you do. I like to think so, but the kids love to click with me. So, yeah, I think that... Very cool. Very, very cool. So, what are some of your favorite designs that you've created and why? I've created many things. I started off, the most fun I had was when I was doing costumes for Bandit for various contests in New York. 
and you named one, the, uh, Tompkins Square Park. We would do things out of like like pop culture. There was a painting called Dogs that people used to call Dogs Playing Poker, the big velvet painting. Uh, yes, I remember. A Friend in Need is the name of the portrait, and I recreated it in real life. And I put Bandit in the portrait, and it was the dogs playing poker, and he was the dealer, and they had springs in their paws, and they were moving as the cart moved around. Various <laughs> things like that. I'm, I'm always trying to create something that's different. I'm always trying to get attention and have people smile, because our thing was always to make people aware that these animals are the joys of our lives. And so I create things to enhance their beauty and, and never put them in any kind of danger, but have fun with it. So, yeah, that's how it all started with costumes. And then it went on to the couture designs because I started visiting the museums. The Metropolitan Museum of Art did the Alexander McQueen Savage Beauty. Oh, that's exhibit, wonderful. I was enamored with the oh. whole exhibit. And yeah. I started taking ideas and borrowing concepts and ideas and fabric ideas, and I started creating things. And the rest is history. I just went into couture from there. And you've become one of the most, if not the most, popular pet couturier in the industry. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. In July of 2012, your designs were featured in a world record-breaking $250,000 dog wedding. Oh, my God. Tell <laughs> us about that. Tell us about that wedding and tell us about what you created for it. Okay, well, first of all, I want to clear the misconception that even though it was valued at $250,000, $250,000 were not actually spent on the wedding. If not that, it was the value of the items that were donated to create this wedding. Whose wedding, wedding was, was it? It was um, with Wendy Diamond. The animal oh, of course. Advocate, <laughs> yes, and it was her dog who was getting married who unfortunately passed Lucky. away. Lucky, yes. Year. Lucky. Yes. And, yes. and she had adopted another dog, which took the place for the wedding, because the wedding was more oh. an idea of an event to raise funds for a wing, for an animal cancer research wing for the Humane Society. Yes. So there was $250,000 worth of goods provided, including a huppa, because it was a Jewish wedding. And uh, with the couple was like, I was told it was $5,000 worth of roses. Oh um, there were bands. It was at a very elaborate hotel on uh, Central Park West. There were orchestras. There was an opera singer. I remember there were chefs cooking around the clock. I was tagged to create dresses for rescues that were up for adoption that were part of the wedding. And I created, I believe it was between fifteen and $20,000 worth of garments that I donated and were featured in, like, Entertainment Tonight did a story on it, and we were featured in the Daily News at the time. Other than that, also, there was a cake boss who provided the cake, and we were even featured on this show when the episode came up, you know, showing the wedding. But in total, they raised several hundred thousand dollars that went to the Cancer Research Wing, and it was all worthwhile because everybody that went, it was anybody and everybody who, wanted, who was in the dog community of New York was there. You know, they spent the money because it was going to a worthy cause. So yeah. the misconception that it was just a, an elaborate wedding, you know, you know, with all the bells and whistles, it was more to raise money. I'm glad you clarified. That's really very beautiful. Really, really beautiful. So you were born and raised in the big melting pot that's New York City. You're of Puerto Rican ancestry. Does it influence your designs? And if so, how? Absolutely. Being of Puerto Rican ancestry, we're talking about music, food, color, party. 
you name it. And uh, my mom was the biggest influence for me because I was raised by a single mom and she was a fashion plate. I mean, we're talking about that. I've had the privilege of being raised through some of the most elaborate time periods in fashion and my mom wore it. <laughs> so I Fantastic. saw bottoms. I saw mini skirts, I saw midi dresses, I saw haircuts of all kinds, and it all influenced my fashion, and it pushed me more into the realm of wanting to become a designer because I wanted to express myself through the fashion. Wonderful. Um, now, everything you make is strictly couture, and for people that don't know exactly what that means, it's completely handmade. What's the most elaborate design you've ever done, and for whom? The most elaborate garment, you're right, couture is predominantly done by hand. A lot of the elaborate work is hand-sewn, hand-beating, hand-everything. Yes. And um, the most elaborate piece was the one you mentioned earlier that won the title for the best design of the year for the New York Pet Fashion Show, which took almost three weeks to create because I created, it was a theme that had to do with the crown jewels. So people were dressing their dogs, some of them themselves, as people in the periods of history that were royalty, Marie Antoinette, mm -hmm. for example. I chose that my client, who is a very famous dog named Bellamia, would dress as Princess Bellamia. I said, why should she be someone else? She should be herself, and she should be her royal self. So I created a crown, I created a necklace of jewels, and then a cape of faux fur trimmed in jewels, and then an elaborate gown that had over a thousand flowers that I hand cut and attached by hand with crystals within each flower. Oh my um, goodness. The bodice was a combination of four different fabrics, some with sequins, some with stones, and flowers that I attached also that I handmade. And the surprise that I think took it over the top was that the big ball gown, the skirt, detached to expose a halter for the dog to be able to walk in. So it was all about comfort and functionality. That is fantastic. We're going to have a picture of that on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site so you can see this phenomenal piece that Anthony created. Another fun and creative sort of attention getter was the Donald Trump comb over hairstyle <laughs> on Bandit, your yeah. original Chihuahua muse. That went viral, right? And landed in an international commercial for Comedy Central? Yes, it was on Comedy Central. It went viral. Every time they were doing the commercial for the, the roast of Donald Trump, they were using the picture of Bandit. <laughs> uh, it came out of the newspapers. It was hilarious because they put pictures of Bandit with the comb over next to the pictures of Donald Trump. It just caught fire. And it what was gave you the idea to do this? It was like a ruse. It was something really funny. Banfield Hospital for PetSmart was opening up a wing, and they were having a contest that I was invited to come to, like, at the last minute. And they said, we want to do something. The contest has to do with New York City icons. So at first, I was thinking Derek Jeter, and I was thinking the New York Yankees, and I had a New York Yankees uniform ready. And then that night, it hit me. I was like, no, I want to do something really crazy. And I sat there, and I got the materials together, and a chunk of a wig, and I started attaching it, and I put it on Bandit, and I was chuckling. I was laughing. I was <laughs> like, this is going to do it. So I pulled out a uh, pinstripe fabric. I created this suit. Again, this was another overnighter. And the next morning we showed up, and lo and behold, when we showed up with him, everybody pointed and said, Donald Trump. They already recognized him. <laughs> and of course, he won the competition, and um, the picture made the papers, and it went absolutely viral. And, you know, I mean, what can I say? It was something that just happened spontaneously and won recognition all over. 
Do you have a picture of that? I have a picture of that. TMC picked it up Please as well. Please send me a picture, and Anthony, and we'll put it up. It. Yes, I keep pictures of everything. So I have, I'll send you a picture of that and the Daily News mm. on the two. Great, great. So there'll be a picture of that on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site. You've got to see it. It just sounds hilarious. What other crazy stunts have you created with the pups? Well, I, I'm always thinking, you know, to, to, to blow it, things out of proportion. So I've created, like I said, I did the Michael Jackson. I did um, one year. Oh, my gosh. They caught me on Times Square dragging along a gondola, an actual <laughs> gondola that I built from scratch with lights and everything and banded in it dressed as Phantom of the Opera. And the people oh were like, God. are you kidding me? You're dragging a dog in a gondola <laughs> down Times Square. And I've also done, like, Bandit was also the only dog to ever get the title of the Macy's Petacular when they were doing those. He won two years. The title for um, the top dog for Macy's Petacular, which was a contest that they would do for the opening of the um, Spring Flower Show. And one year I did, he got the Daily News also. In fact, he beat Obama as far as being on the newspaper. He got the page before Obama. He was um, the Mad Hatter with the complete tea party set. And it was the year that they were about to announce that Johnny Depp was playing the part of the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. Yes. So we were ahead of the game. And then the next time he won, he went as a caterpillar, which I unzipped the coat and out came a butterfly that was done elaborate flowers, silk flowers. <laughs> and the theme again, because of spring flowers. So you have to think along the lines of what the, the, the event is. And yes. um, he won that title as well. So Bandit won a lot of prizes and a lot of money, which I have to say we would turn around and donate the money to the shelters. So, like, when Hurricane Sandy happened, Bogey and Kimba donated the $500 they won at another contest to the Humane Society of New Rochelle for the dogs that, that needed homes and needed food. And we always turn around the money that we raise from any events, including proceeds from my designs, go to rescues and shelter dogs. That is beautiful, Anthony. You are unbelievable. What talent. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, hold that thought because I want to hear more stories, but we're going to take a short commercial break right now. And when we come back, we'll learn about the wonderful period pieces that Anthony is creating right now for the biggest pet fashion show of the year. So refill that cup and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? 
Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika, Kate Abbott, and Petra Burke. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. We're here today with Master Pet Couturier Anthony Rubio. Anthony, in addition to being fabulous, and you are so fabulous, you're also <laughs> conscious. You're also conscious, and you're a big pet adoption advocate. The Humane Society of the United States recently honored you for your humanitarian efforts in championing adoption. How did you get involved in adoption advocacy? Well, when I first rescued Bandit, there was this feeling, it was an experience that was a little bit jarring, and I was not aware of um, the shelters or anything, because I got called to school that this dog was being abused in the street, and I dropped what I was doing, and I ran and and saved the dog and took him into a vet, and the vet at the time said, if you put this dog in a shelter, they're going to put him down because he bites out of self-defense. And I said, this dog is not going to be put down. I'm taking him home and rehabilitating him myself. And, I and that was Bandit? That was Bandit. Oh, my was, God. I was told that he was so injured that they said he might live a year, if that. And oh. good luck with it because he bites. Well, I got him home and had a talk with him. <laughs> and we had an agreement. And I said, no biting. And you will be treated like a king that you deserve to be treated as. And that's how he lived. And he lived eight years. Because of that... I got involved with as many advocacy groups as possible because I did not like the idea of the putting down of animals at shelters because of their not being adopted, which is something that happens a lot, especially with the pit bulls, which is the most annoying thing because of their reputation. They're put down if they're not adopted with a a set amount of time. I know. So I decided to open up my mouth and speak for those who don't have voices, is what I say. And whenever I get a chance, I speak on the issue. And I also advocate for population control of the animals, because if people learned to spay and neuter these pets, we wouldn't have that problem and animals wouldn't be getting put down. That is absolutely true. There are so many different programs that shelters can implement to raise the adoption rate because there are plenty of people to adopt. That whole myth about pet overpopulation is a myth. And that's a whole other conversation. But it's beautiful. You also created a shelter pet campaign called Adopt Me Maybe. I'm assuming that's named after the Carly Rae Jepsen song, Call Me Maybe, right? Absolutely. That's the catchiest tune. I was hearing it everywhere I turned. Yes. And it was like, call me, maybe. Everybody was singing it. Every, it was, every time you changed the radio station, it was on there. And I looked at the boys one day, and we was, I was sitting there, and I said, I wonder what would happen if we created a campaign, but we changed the name to Adopt Me, maybe. So we typed up a card, and it said, by the way, my name is blah, blah, blah. Maybe you're interested in adopting maybe. And I got the boys, took them to the park, and the boys, Bogey, the little black one, grabbed the card in his mouth, and we got the picture really quick. And we put it out on the Internet, and would you believe that it was picked up within 24 hours? We were getting emails from every publication, including USA Today, the Huffington Post, to name a few. And then I come to find out that Katy Perry... Another performer had retweeted the photo to wow. 20 million of her followers, oh my resulting in 
the culmination of like every shelter, like I was getting emails from shelters all across the United States and internationally asking permission to use the catchphrase. And I was like, by all means, I mean, like, go ahead. If this is going to help adoption, yes, how could I say no? And that's how it all went viral. That's fantastic. Fantastic. As if you need to do any more, you were also the lead designer in the popular book Couture Dogs of New York, which I remember seeing out in bookstores, and it was beautiful. What was that like to do? And tell us about some of the designs that they included in the book. Okay, well, first of all, the boys, Spokey and Kimba, were only five months old at the time. And what had happened was that they were coming off of an off-Broadway show that we were invited to do called Dog Park, which was a show that was raising funds for another animal shelter. And what happened was that a photographer had heard from somebody else about my designs and contacted me and asked if I could bring the boys over to, to include them in the book. So I brought a few of the designs and I brought the boys in. And by this time, it was a three-week run on the, on the stage with the boys. And when we put them in front of the cameras, this is their first photo shoot. They went in half an hour. They had five hours to changes, and the photographer was blown away. He was like, I can't believe that we did this many pictures in such a short amount of time. And they're like changing and posing and doing all of this stuff. And I was like, well, you know, it was a pleasant surprise for me, too. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so they were dressed as sailors. They were dressed as, there were various costumes. And then a lot of my clients who were also included in the book were wearing a lot of my designs. So in total, there were 33 of my designs in the book. A few months later, I ran it at Tompkins Square Park. The photographer was there, and he came up to me, and he said, you got it. And I said, I got what? He says, you got the cover. And I was completely taken by the I was like, I got the cover. I was like, I was so appreciative to be included, and the boys ended up on the cover. And the rest is history. The book sold worldwide, and it's a magnificent tabletop book. Yes. And, um, you know, it was a, a great experience for the boys. That's fantastic. Now, Bogey and Kimba... Do they like dressing up? I mean, it sounds like they're naturals, but I know, I mean, I can just speak for myself. I'm a pet fashion designer who has a dog who hates wearing clothes. I mean, go figure. <laughs> what about Bogey and Kimba? <laughs> okay. Well, let me clarify something. I adopted Bogey and Kimba. It was supposed to be just one, and I fell in love with the two, and I couldn't decide. And they said to me, normally we only put one up for adoption, but we know you, and we've heard about you, and we've researched you, and we would love for you to take the two of them. So that was how I ended up getting them, and they were two and a half months old. So at two and a half months old, I was already dressing them, and so they didn't know anything. That's what they know, yes. It's just what they know. So if you see me now dressing them, they put their little arms out. Uh, (laughs) Bokey likes to kiss me while I'm dressing him because it's like his affection. He feels loved. And I have to say that when I dress them, they're rambunctious little guys because they're chihuahuas, and we know that they're yes, feisty. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> but the thing about them is that the minute I put clothing on them, they calm down. It's like I guess they feel like it's a hug, so they yeah. they feel for me and they pose and they love wearing clothing. And when I design, I design for for comfort. Yes, I do the fashion thing, and I want to um, blow up the fashion as best as I can. But for me, it's about the safety of the pet first. So it's about uh, using materials that are pet safe and um, nothing that's going to cause any harm to them, um, you know, cut them or, or restrain them or, or stop yes. their breathing. So everything is flexible. Usually it's breathability on the fabrics. So they're very comfortable and they prance around in the gar- garments all the time. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, you're going to be stretching your boundaries a little bit more very soon. In fact, you're in the midst of it right now. You're going to be participating again this year as a key runway designer in the New York Pet Fashion Show. In fact... You were chosen as the photo, or Bogey and Kimba were chosen as the photo for the initial poster for the event. 
This year's theme, because there's always a theme, is A Rescue Revolution, Peace, Love, and Animal Rescue. And it's a tribute to the fashions of the 60s and 70s, which I'm thrilled about because that's what I grew up in, like (laughs) you. So this is very special for you, too. You told us a little bit about your mom and what she would wear, but tell us a little bit more about why this period is so special for you. Well, I grew up in that revolutionary time of the British invasion, Mary Quant, Twiggy, the Beatles. I grew up seeing all of that come to life. And as a child, I mean, I was I was little, but I remember it vividly because it was so exciting and everybody, it was the buzz and the colors and the messages and it was the time of the Vietnam War. So there was so much going on and it was a tumultuous time and fashion was making a statement all over the place. You know, Paco Rabanne, Pierre Cardin, uh, Yves Saint Laurent, yes. all the big designers were, were making their big message, they were making their points. And I couldn't help but remember all of that. That the boys got the poster was a complete surprise to me because Ada Nieves, who runs the event, contacted me to create something. She told me the event is going to be of this. I, she needed some pictures to get some ideas. You know, she's very vague about everything. And she, she <laughs> we love Ada. And create something because I know that you're the one who could do this. So, again, another overnighter. I sit there and I'm like, what am I going to do? I start pulling out fabrics. I start sketching. And I said, I could do a Jimi Hendrix hat. I could do the flower power thing. I could do psychedelics. And I just put together these, like, daishikis and and little things with beads and peace signs. And I threw it on the boys, took them to the park again, took some photos and sent them to Ada. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, I see a poster materialized. And she's (laughs) like, guess what? Your boys are the poster boys for the event. (laughs) And I was like, okay, here we go again. You know, it's another... Poster children again. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, see, these kids are are making it again. So, you know, it was a really pleasant surprise. It's something I didn't plan on, and of course, it's always welcome. And they made the statement, and I said, well, thank God that, you know, they participated. And now the thing is that the event is coming in a couple of months, and um, now I have clients who have asked me to design for them. So I'm pulling out my uh, patent leathers and, and psychedelic fabrics and, and Maramico patterned fabrics, and I'm going to be creating a myriad of designs that capture the, the whole gamut of that time period. I love it, and I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see. And we'll have that poster up on the Bark and Swagger page, too, so you can see. They're adorable, complete with the John Lennon specs, circular specs. So you're always so busy. In addition to the New York Pet Fashion Show, what else is on the horizon for you? Well, I'm in the process now because uh, after I did the pet design, I don't know if you know that last year for uh, Fashion Week Brooklyn, I presented my first women's wear line. So yes. Very well received, and I try to work with things that it's like matching or coordinating with the dogs. Yes. And it went over really big. I also presented at that time, and just before that, I was already doing it for myself. I was wearing these spectacularly colorful ties called Naughty Ties, which I created for myself. And they've become the new buzz thing. You know, everybody wants one now. I'm getting emails, people wanting to to buy them. Because I create ties that are made, okay, are you ready for this? The fact that they use making negligees. So they're very seductive. And with the Fifty Shades of Grey thing going on. Oh, yeah. The street. The ladies keep asking me where I get my ties. Everybody wants to touch and feel the ties. So those are becoming (laughs) popular. I'm also working right now, I'm putting together my new collection for New York Fashion Week because I was asked to design for New York Fashion Week. I was the first pet designer to ever present at a New York Fashion Week back in 2011. Uh-huh. I was that. 
and I try to be involved as much as possible. I get invited to the tents to see the fashion shows of the big designers and get inspired. And this year, I was tapped to do a presentation for New York Fashion Week. It's I amazing, Anthony. Brooklyn Fashion Week, I will do also. And to top everything else off, my present to the boys is a vacation to Paris. So we're doing springtime in Paris, where we've already booked a few interviews and photo shoots with some fashion photographers, and uh, we plan on just making a big explosion in Europe. I love it. One of my favorite cities in the world. Well, I am so sorry to say we're out of time. I've had the best time talking with you, Anthony. I could talk with you for hours. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) So, Anthony, your designs are amazing. If people want one of their very own, where can they reach you? Where can they see your designs and where can they get in touch with you? First of all, everything is done by appointment, so I have to usually, I conduct an interview, so I want to know that the dog is going to want to wear the clothing. I'm not just going to create for anybody just to throw it on the dog and the dog tear it up. Perfect. Um, So the thing is, if they could look at my designs and my work at anthonyrubiodesigns.com is my website, or they can visit me on Facebook under Anthony Rubio, or they can find me on Twitter. Or I'm on the social media, so they can even just Google my name, Anthony Rubio, and it'll direct them to wherever they want to go to find any of my work and my photos. Wonderful. And Rubio is R-U-B-I-O. Anthony is spelled the traditional way. Correct. And feel free to come back and, you know, visit with us, chat with us anytime. Not there. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, who makes us sound like geniuses. My passion is fashion, so tune in next time to discover the designers, styles, and home decor I love. And don't forget to visit me at BarkAndSwagger.com, where you'll find great fashion stories and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.